a lamb for each household. The lamb shall be without blemish or spot, a one-year-old male. And then the whole assembly, the whole congregation of Israel, is to slaughter it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorposts and the lintels of the houses where they stay. This is the Passover of the Lord. For the Lord says, I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike down every firstborn male of man or animal. And the blood shall be assigned for you on your houses where you live. Because when I see that blood, I will pass over, and no plague will destroy you. This day shall be a day of commemoration. You shall keep it as a festival to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you will observe it as a perpetual ordinance. Would you please stand for our introit and for the lighting of the candles? Because tonight we gather to remember, to remember the story of the Passover that Jesus shared with his disciples, to remember his new covenant that transformed bread and cup into the memorial of his passion, to remember his night alone in the garden in prayer, and to remember his arrest and trial. We remember his suffering and the denial of his friends. And we remember his sinless hands spread wide in blessing and then nailed high on the cross to cancel our debts. We remember this night. We thank God for it. So together, let's praise him as this hour of darkness approaches. Will you pray with me? God of grace and steadfast love, your name is praised in all the earth, Father. And we ask you to bring us now to this feast with open eyes ready to see you, with open ears ready to hear from you, and with open hearts ready to be filled with Jesus Christ. Truly, Lord, this is a night to remember. Amen. To listen now to the story retold, and please be seated. It was the early afternoon of a spring Thursday that Jesus, our Savior, tarried with his disciples outside the great city of Jerusalem. He selected two of the company, Peter and John, and sent them on ahead to prepare all that was needed for the Passover celebration. Jesus told them they were to meet a man, a man carrying a jug of water because that was an unusual sight and easy to spot because the retrieval of water was normally done by women. This man would show Peter and John where to go from there. The man was duly met and showed the disciples to a large upper room, furnished and ready for them to prepare the evening meal. The meal that required the purchase and the sacrifice of a Passover lamb. The lamb that must be spotless and no more than a year old. Now the men intended to purchase the lamb in the city, but not in the temple itself, where the priests carried on a brisk and profitable trade in all of the sacrifices needed for the pilgrims. Because it was against such commerce that the Lord himself had preached only a few days before when he overturned the tables in the temple and turned over the money changers' carts and told the people that they had turned God's house into a fraudulent marketplace, dishonoring the laws of God and the faith of their fathers. While the Savior still tarried with the other disciples outside of the city, Peter and John completed their preparations. Just then the shofar horn sounded from the temple, inviting the people to enter and to offer their Passover lambs. They assembled with joy as they commemorated their redemption from slavery in Egypt. This was a festival of freedom. It was a time to rekindle their hopes of a Messiah, a Messiah that would free them from under the boot of Rome. 
and there was much left to do. For Peter and John, because of the decree of the law, had to slay the lamb between sunset and complete darkness, so time was of the essence. With their lamb now selected, Peter and John followed the crowd, who were all leading lambs of their own up the imposing temple mount. And as the throngs of worshipers arrived in the temple, they were divided into groups in an effort to maintain crowd control. When Peter and John's group was finally admitted to the court of the priests, inside the temple complex, the massive gates closed immediately behind them. And then priests blew three blasts on their silver trumpets, signaling for the sacrifices to begin. All along the court, up to the altar, the altar of burnt offerings, priests stood in two rows, each holding sacred bowls, some of silver and some of gold. And in these bowls, the blood of the paschal lamb which each man offered for himself and for his family, was caught up by a priest, who then handed it to his colleague, along with the guilt of the offerer, receiving back an empty bowl. And so these bowls of blood were passed up to the altar to the priest who spilled it in one quick motion on the base, and then passed the bowl back down to begin his journey again. And while all of this was going on, a beautiful hymn of praise was being sung, with the Levites leading in song and the people responding until the sacrifices were complete. And I want us to share that together tonight. If you'll join me in reading responsibly, I'll begin, and then you take the second line. So our responsive reading tonight is, Hallelujah, servants of the Lord, give praise. Give praise to the name of the Lord. From sunrise until sunset, praise his name. The Lord is exalted over all the nations, his glory above the heavens. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now the holy city. Meanwhile, as the last glow of the sun was declining on the horizon, Jesus and the other ten disciples descended from the Mount of Olives and made their way to the holy city. Before them lay Jerusalem in all her festive attire. All around, pilgrims were hastening toward it. White tents dotted the meadow along with the bright flowers of early spring and the dark foliage of the olive plantations that lined the route up to the city. Curls of smoke rose from the temple area, whose buildings of snow-white marble and gold glowed in the last of the evening light. And the streets within the city were thronged with strangers. The flat roofs were covered with eager gazers feasting their eyes on the sights and the sounds of this sacred destination. This was the last daytime view that our Lord would have of the holy city until his resurrection. Only once more in the approaching night of his betrayal was he to look upon it in the pale light of the full moon. But now, now he's going forward to accomplish his mission of death and to offer himself as the true Passover lamb, the final sacrifice, the one that after all of the other lambs had been killed and eaten would be the final death required. Now the disciples who followed with Jesus as they jostled through those crowded streets, well, they, they were all busy with thoughts of their own. See, they had been told by Jesus just a few days before that these glorious temple buildings, the source of Israel's pride and confidence, were going to be destroyed with not one stone left upon another. And as they walked and thought and worried, at that very moment, one among their 
traveling group was revolving a dark plan of greed and treachery. So prompted by the enemy, Judas moved among his comrades in silence as they made their way to the house where the guest chamber had been all prepared for them. Finally, as the group reunited in the awaiting upper room there, greeted by the savory aroma of lamb roasting on a spit of pomegranate. The animal was to be cooked whole and none of it left over until morning, and all of those gathered around it were to form one family. With you before I suffer. On the table before them were all of the ritual foods, the roasted lamb, the bitter herbs, the unleavened bread, and the wine, all the symbols of a sacred supper that had been handed down from God to Moses as a tool, a tool to teach future generations about their deliverance through the medium of food and a family. It's as, as if they were eating history and remembering their redemption with all of their senses. There was the sight of the table laid out before them. There was the smell of the bread, the taste of the wine, the touch of a friend's hand as the elements are passed, and the sounds of the story retold. And it's within this setting that our Lord will institute a new feast of freedom, a feast to celebrate our spiritual liberation from the bonds of sin and death, a freedom that will cost our Lord Jesus dearly and require the spilling of his precious blood to the lash of the whip, the nails of the cross, the barbs of the thorny crown, and the spear of a Roman soldier. Four cups. By tradition, the Passover meal always starts and ends with wine. According to custom, even the forest person must have at least four cups of wine to drink during the celebration, even if that meant they had to ask for funds from the poor box to obtain it. And those four cups of wine represented the four promises made by God to his people. The first cup of wine is called the cup of sanctification to commemorate God's promise that he would call his people out and set them apart. The second cup is called the cup of deliverance. It represented the people's deliverance from the plagues on Egypt and God's promise of freedom. The third cup is called the cup of redemption. And it signifies God's promise to redeem his people. And it represented the blood of the actual lamb that was slain. The fourth cup is the cup of completion, sealing the promise of God when he told them that I will take you and make you my very own people. And on that Thursday night that we commemorate, Jesus, our host of the table, took that first cup. He gave thanks to the creator and the ruler of the universe, the God who created the fruit of the vine. And he looked around the table and said, take this and divide it among you. And that first cup, having been drained, the host washes his hands along with everyone else's. But tonight, the master doesn't stop there, because tonight our Lord Jesus, in an incredible show of humility, washed the dust-covered feet of his friends too. The Gospel of John tells us, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, he took off his robe and wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had wrapped around him. 
And after washing their feet, he put his robe on again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. And when our Lord returned to the table, bread was opened. Three loaves of bread, actually. Unleavened. And they're taken out of their cloth wrapper. And the middle piece, the middle piece is broken in two. One part is eaten then, and the other part is hidden away in a a linen napkin to be returned later at the end of the meal with joy and celebration. Why is this night different from other nights? So Now the second cup, the cup of deliverance is poured. Now it's not mentioned in the gospel. It's poured but not drunk immediately and sits on the table untouched while the head of the house retells the story of the people's deliverance from bondage just as if they had personally been there. Not a rereading of the salvation story, but a reliving of the event, as if they were the first generation to experience it. And the story is prompted by having one of the youngest people in the family, usually the, the son, ask questions about the meaning of this night. Dad, what makes this night different? I'm glad you asked, buddy. The Bible says, in the future, your children will ask you, What does all this mean? And then you'll tell them. With the power of his mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of a place of slavery. Tonight we remember that we are no longer slaves, but children of a very great king, the king of kings. And this story is your story. It's my story. It's all of ours. And it's not about keeping laws and regulations. It's not about keeping empty, meaningless customs. It's about keeping something worth preserving, the remembrance of the new covenant, because by the direct intervention of God in the person of Jesus Christ, we have been led from our old way of life and brought through a journey. And the whole way he sheltered us with his loving hands, he's carried us through the wilderness of life. He's given us water from the living rock, and he has brought us to this place flowing with blessings where tonight, tonight we're free. Passover transformed. Now that the questions have all been asked and the story of deliverance retold, that second cup, the one that's been sitting here through that whole account, is lifted and everyone would drink from it. Hands are washed a second time and the host of the table broke more bread that would be dipped into bitter herbs and sweet fruit paste to serve all the others around the table. And it's here that our Lord Jesus predicts his betrayal. John 13 tells us he looked around the table and said, I'm not saying these things to all of you. I know the ones I've chosen, but this fulfills the scriptures that says, the one who eats my food has turned against me. I tell you this beforehand so that when it happens, you'll believe that I am the Messiah. I tell you the truth, anyone who welcomes my messenger is welcoming me. And anyone 
who welcomes me is welcoming the Father who sent me. Now Jesus was deeply troubled, and he exclaimed, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at each other, wondering whom he could mean. Now the disciple that Jesus loved was sitting next to him at the table. And Simon Peter motioned him to ask, who's he talking about? So the disciple leaned over to Jesus and said, Lord, who is it? Jesus responded, it is the one to whom I give the bread that I dip in the bowl. And then when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. When Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him. And then Jesus told him, hurry and do what you're going to do. None of the others at the table knew what Jesus meant. Since Judas was their treasurer, some of the thought that Jesus was telling him to go and pay for the food or to give some of the money to the poor. So Judas left at once, going out into the night. And as he goes out into the night, he goes well before our Lord instituted his memorial meal because it is at this point in the evening that the main course is served, that the actual dinner gets underway. That roasted lamb commemorating the one that was slain in Egypt is now sliced and served and eaten with more bread and more herbs until every bit is gone. Gone for the last time, really, because after this particular night, the practice of killing and eating an actual lamb would have no further significance for the true children of God. And so it is at this point in the table that our Lord transformed the Passover Seder into his Last Supper. And when everything else had been eaten, that piece of matzah, the one that has been hidden at the beginning of the meal, that broken piece that returns at the end, would be found and unwrapped from its linen cover. And when it is, the host of the table will break it in pieces to be eaten by everyone gathered around. The Gospel of Matthew tells us, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Will you pray with me? Eternal God, remembering now all your mighty and merciful acts, we take this bread and this wine from the gifts that you have given us, and with humility we ask for the presence of the Holy Spirit among us, that the bread we break and the cup we bless would become for us the bread of life and the cup of salvation, making them sacred not for our bodies but for our souls, as we celebrate with joy the redemption won for us in Jesus Christ. And if the deacons will come forward, we're going to serve the Lord's Supper. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Anyone who eats from me will never be hungry. Anyone who drinks from me will never be thirsty. And anyone who comes to me, I will never cast out. And brothers and sisters, the Lord is present with us by the power of the Holy Spirit in this supper. And he reminds us, though, as we approach it, not to approach with any unconfessed sin in our hearts. So we're going to take a moment to have silent prayer. We're going to pray together. And then I'm going to share with you the promise of God's forgiveness. So let's go to the Lord in a moment of silent confession. Gracious Lord, we confess to you, Father, that we have sinned by the things that we have done and the things that we have left undone. We haven't loved you, Father, with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. And, oh, Lord, we confess we have definitely not loved our neighbors as ourselves. But we come before you now, Lord, in this holy feast, trusting only in the death of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who brings us the offer of redemption and the promise of eternal life. Amen.
Brothers and sisters, the good news of the gospel is that sins that are truly confessed are truly forgiven, and we can know that we have God's peace. Brothers and sisters, on the night of his arrest, our Lord Jesus took bread and he blessed it as we have done in his name, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body given for you. Do this in memory of me. Brothers and sisters, this is the bread of life, body of Christ. The scriptures tell us that after supper, Jesus took a cup. Not just any cup, because the cup after supper in the Passover service had always represented the blood of the actual lamb that was slain. But Jesus said after tonight, this cup no longer represents the cup of, of lambs or bulls or goats, but this is the cup of the precious Son of God. Brothers and sisters, this is the cup of the new covenant, the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Eternal God, it is truly right, Lord, and our greatest joy to give you thanks and praise in every time and place. We thank you, Father, for inviting us to your table this night and for feeding us with your Son, who is the true bread from heaven and the food of eternal life, even Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So that third cup now, having been drained, the fourth and final cup is filled. The cup of completion. The cup of taking in. That cup that represented God's marriage to his people. The cup that drew the whole ceremony to a close. But this one, Jesus set aside. And he tells us in the Gospel of Matthew, Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And that's where we come into the picture. That's where you and I become a living part of this story. Because Jesus is saying that he will only drink that cup when all of his children are with him together at the marriage supper of the Lamb. You see, in our communion service tonight, we drink in remembrance. But we're looking for the day when Jesus will call us home and finish the feast when he lifts that final cup as he takes us into the kingdom. Our Passover feast concluded now late in the evening, and when they had all sung a hymn, they went outside into the city to an olive press called Gethsemane, where Jesus found a quiet spot to pray. He prayed for himself. He prayed for his disciples, and he prayed for us. And he asked Peter, and James and John to keep watch with him and for them to pray too. But they were too drowsy from the meal that they had just enjoyed and from the somberness of the evening. And so Jesus prayed on alone while an armed crowd moved in to arrest him. Jesus went back to his friends and said, Are you still sleeping and, and resting enough? The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. Here comes my betrayer. Let's pray together. Father God, send the spirit of truth to keep alive in us all that Jesus taught and did, that our words may carry the good news and that our lives may bear the shape of his cross. Grant us, Lord, we pray, in this world knowledge of your truth and in the world to come everlasting life. Send your son to bring us home, Lord, quickly and in our day, 
that we may be gathered in heaven, your home, the new Jerusalem, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our service is complete now, and just as our Lord Jesus left the upper room and led his disciples into the garden to spend the evening in prayer, so we too now leave with an attitude of prayer and reflection, departing in silence until we meet again on the coming of the Lord's day. Go in peace. Amen.